Welcome to our latest installment of California Employment News, a video series brought to you by the Labor and Employment Practice Group of Weintraub Tobin, where we discuss legal developments impacting the workplace. I'm Lucas Clary. I'm a shareholder in the group, and I am joined today by my partner, Megan Bainbridge. Today, we are going to talk to you about recent developments relating to what I refer to as the four-letter word of employment law, PAGA. Many of you may be all too familiar with that word, but for those who are not, Megan, why don't you give them a, a little overview of what PAGA is? Of course, the Private Attorney General's Act, otherwise known as PAGA, is a section of the labor code that authorizes aggrieved employees to file lawsuits to recover civil penalties on behalf of the employees, their coworkers, and the state of California. Generally, we see these for violations of the labor code, though the PAGA actually you know, allows employees to recover penalties for a few more um, violations, including violations of OSHA and things like that. So what it essentially means is that a single employee can stand in the shoes of the state and seek civil penalties for labor code violations not otherwise recoverable by individuals. Any penalties recovered are split between the state and the employees with 75% going to the state and 25% going to the employees themselves. It is estimated that there are more than 5,000 PAGA notice filed with the LWDA each year. The reason that PAGA has been so problematic is be because PAGA has resulted in situations where technical violations that te really cause no harm to employees can, green can lead to huge liability for employers. This is because PAGA is a strict liability lawsuit. That means if something is technically incorrect, penalties are owed for an entire class of employees implicated. Most PAGA penalties are, are imposed per pay period per employee, and the typical penalty is $100 for the first penalty and $200 for every pay period after that. The plaintiff's attorney will then seek to stack these penalties on top of other penalties amounting to what can quickly become millions of dollars for relatively minor infractions. So Lucas, that's, that's kind of scary for employers. What should they do? Yeah, thanks, Megan. I come very scary. I mean, just say that PAGA has been a thorn in, the, thorn in the side of employers is an understatement. So for these reasons, I think uh, we've seen a lot of businesses and, and, and organizations that have tried in one way or another to reform PAGA laws for more than a decade. Uh, unfortunately, those efforts have not really been successful. They've, there have been efforts, both uh, attempts to eliminate or change the law through legislative reform and legal challenges in the court system to no avail. Uh, but we may see some glimmer of hope, some changes on the horizon in that regard. As of today, there are challenges to PAGA pending before both the courts and in I believe a first, potentially on the ballot this fall where all of us can weigh in on it. Uh, so first in the courts, the California Business and Industrial Alliance is a business coalition driven to obtain PAGA reform. And they currently have a lawsuit pending in the California appellate courts seeking to have PAGA deemed unconstitutional. They're arguing that it uh, lacks a mechanism that allows the state's executive office uh, to intervene in these PAGA lawsuits or to authorize the litigation before it actually occurs. So we expect a ruling on that case later this year. It'll be interesting to monitor and develop. Uh, Perhaps more encouraging, there is a proposed ballot initiative for November that would repeal PAGA and replace it with a new law called the Fair Pay and Employer Accountability Act. 
This law would prevent employees from filing these polio lawsuits altogether moving forward. Instead, what would happen, independent state regulators, such as the labor commissioner, would need to enforce the labor code violations that are at issue in these claims. The law would also increase penalty amounts and grant 100% of penalties to employees rather than giving 75% to the state under the current structure. Uh, so, so there is, you know, potentially a win-win for employees and employers here while cutting out the incentive for uh, plaintiff's lawyers to bring these costly lawsuits. The measure is not yet on the ballot. It still requires thousands of signatures to make it. So if you're interested in seeing it on the ballot, you may want to look into and consider signing that petition and then you'll have a chance to vote in the fall. So with that said, Megan, unless and until this reform is in place, what steps do you recommend employers take to mitigate their risk of, of PAGA exposure? Right. Well, while we're all actively and eagerly waiting and watching these developments, um, it is important to remember that the status quo remains. In other words, PAGA is still here, it still has teeth, and employers should do everything they can do in order to avoid PAGA claims. I believe that the easiest way to do this is to continue to stress the importance of wage and hour compliance. Conduct regular audits. You know, in our first installment, we talked about the audits that we recommend employers do in order to ensure that they're complying with the law. So conduct those audits regularly. And based on my many years of defending employers and PAGA litigation, I would suggest focusing on areas such as employee time records, including the accuracy of those records, um, wage and hour compliance, including paying, making sure you're paying for all work, included in, you know, on the clock work, off the clock work, and making sure you're paying the correct overtime rate, uh, meal and break time compliance, and making sure you're properly classifying employees. So whether that's exempt versus not exempt, independent contractors, or things along those lines. And of course, uh, make sure your pay steps have all the information required under the code. Also, if you find yourself caught up in a PAGA lawsuit, talk to your legal counsel about what options you might have to defend those claims. Another development we're watching is a case that came out of the circuit courts last year, which is the Wesson versus Staples case, which talked about PAGA manageability. There, Staples argued that the particular action filed against it wasn't manageable because in order to conduct a liability analysis, you would have to do look at employee by employee, week by week, whether or not there were violations. And they argued doing that would essentially result in a several year trial, which wouldn't be manageable. Um, that's the only case we've seen so far that discusses manageability. So we're continuing to watch the course to see if other defendants can use that our own defense successfully. And we're also analyzing our own cases to determine whether or not manageability might be a proper attack. And so that's an exciting um, update that we're watching. And you should, if you find yourself caught up in your own pod lawsuit, look at. Thanks, Megan. Great advice. So that's what's going on right now. We'll be continuing to watch all of this develop. Check back in with us later in the year and we'll have updates as everything unfolds. Uh, and in the meantime, check back in with us for the next episode. Thanks for joining.